we started a mimer, just to get you back into a momentum here. Uh, what's the name of the mimer? Basilagani. Yeah, Basilagani, right. Um, what year, what date? Yudshvat, very good. What year? Tavshin Yud 1951. Okay. And like we said, it was the occasion of the first yard site, the first Yem Hilula of the Fidik Rebbe. The Rebbe was officially accepting the Nasius, the leadership, the role of Rebbe. And his formal act of accepting that role was saying this mimer. Okay. Um, could you sum up Ois Aleph, chapter 1? The Shekhinah is relative to what you're looking at, okay? And the Shekhinah, the godly presence that was in this world before the sin of the Tree of Knowledge, which Shekhinah was it? Since it is a relative term and it can mean a lot of things, which one was it? The one, there's the same one in above Atzilos. It was also down it, here. It, not only above Atzilos, but above the original tzimtzum. In other words, the highest possible term that can be used for the, for, to, des, to describe Hashem's indwelling presence is that very Shekhinah that was present in this physical world, in Gan Eden. Or if I could sum up chapter 1 in one sentence, I would say like this. The Shekhinah used to be in this physical world, and it was uh, the really, 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 really highest of all Shekhinahs you could imagine. That's chapter one. Okay. Let's move on. His base. Now this, now here, watch what we're doing here. In the previous chapter, we were talking about the Shechina is not just Shechina, it's Ika Shechina. And what's Ika Shechina? The highest of the highest of the highest of the high that can be called Shechina. This chapter is going to do like the opposite. It's like the bookends here. We're establishing now. And by the way, the Tachtoinim, the lower realms where that Shechina was, is the lowest of the lowest of the lowest. So when we're talking about Shechina, we're talking about the highest of the high. We're talking about the lower realms that that Shechina was present in. We're talking about the lower, the lower, the lower, the lower, lower realms. This physical world. Just like it explains, the Medrash says, that through the sin of the tree of knowledge, the Shechina departed from the earth, from the Oritz, from the earth to the Rekia, to the firmament. In other words, when the first sin, the sin of the tree of knowledge, was committed and it caused the Shekhinah to leave, where did it leave from? From this physical plane. And conversely, Through the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, that was Hashem's chuppah, that was his returning to his garden, which is the physical world. Now, in the Mimer, the, the Rebbe is expounding upon, the previous Rebbe's Mimer, 
which is quoting from, from Medrash, it talks about seven different departures of the Shekhinah. That there were different sins, and each sin repelled the Shekhinah further and further away from this world. But the first one, the major one, is the one that repelled the Shekhinah from this earth to the first firmament. So when you're talking about the main sin, what was the main sin? The main sin was the first sin. Why? Because through the first sin, it made possible all other sins. So it wasn't just chronologically the first, it laid the foundation for the possibility of sin. And so the sin of Adam and Chava with the tree of knowledge, that made possible the next sin, which in the, in the next generation, which was Cain's sin when he killed Havel. And then the next sin, which was in the generation of Enosh, when he began to worship false gods. And one sin after another after another. So too in the effect that the Chet had. So not just was there one sin that was the first sin, but it wasn't just chronologically the first. It was the, it made possible all other sins after it. Also, the effect of the sin is, is different. The first sin has an effect which is unique than the effects of the other subsequent sins. That the first sin, the sin of the tree of knowledge, was the one that made the Shekhinah depart from this world, from the physical world. All the subsequent sins only repelled the Shekhinah farther and farther away from this world, but it was already out of this world, and it just made it go higher and higher and higher into more spiritual realms. Just like where was the Shekhinah? It was specifically in this physical world. And what was the, the, the marked change of the first sin? Is that it made it leave this physical world. So the main departure was the departure from this world. Which was caused by the sin of the tree of knowledge. That's what caused the Shechina to leave this world and go to the heavens. That's also, the Rebbe is mentioning, commenting on a stylistic detail of the previous Rebbe's Mimer, that when he mentions the sins that repelled the Shechina, he mentions the tree of knowledge sin, on its own, like in a sentence unto itself. And then afterwards he mentions, oh yeah, and there's a second and a third and a fourth. But he sort of mentions them separately, which indicates that the first one is categorically different. The first one's categorically different. The other ones, they exacerbated a pre-existing condition. The Shekhinah had already been repelled, and they just repelled it more. But the first one is the one that kicked it out of this world, that made it leave the physical plane. Why? Because the sin of Cain, the sin of Enish, the subsequent generations, that was just kicking the Shekhinah up to higher and higher levels of the firmament of the heavens. Whereas with the original sin, the sin of the Chetetzadas, that's what made the Shekhinah actually leave from this world and 
go to the spiritual realms. (laughs) So aside from the fact that this is subjectively, for us, subjectively more significant, why? Because we're inhabitants of this physical realm. So if I would tell you, the Shekhinah used to be where? In the physical realm. Oh, I know the physical realm. I spend most of my time there. Okay. And then someone would say, well, and then it left here. Then it's, oh, wow, wow, that's a loss. But like if I would tell you, you know the Shekhinah was once in the third heaven, and then it got repelled to the fourth heaven? You'd be like, you know, who cares? I mean, it's interesting, but if it's not here already, then you can tell me it went to the third, the fourth, the fifth. I mean, okay. So... The Rebbe says like this. So in addition to the fact that subjectively speaking, this is, this is what's going to be most pertinent to us, but also objectively speaking, if you want to say categorically which departure of the Shekhinah was unique, the first one. Why? Not just because chronologically it's the first, because that, but, but rather because that's where qualitatively something different happened. It was in the physical world, and now it's not in the physical world. It had to run, the Shekhinah had to run off and go hide in the spiritual worlds. And then after that, okay, so it goes from higher and higher and higher. goes from a high world to a higher and to a higher and to a higher. But that's all at that point just um, matters of degree. The radical change, the categorical change, was through the sin of the tree of knowledge. And he continues in the Maimer. So the Rebbe is basically taking us through the Friedrich Rebbe's Maimer. Okay, and he continues in the Maimer. And this is quoting from the Medrash. That just like seven sins or generations of sin repelled the Shekhinah higher and higher away from the world, so too there were seven generations of Tzaddikim who had the reverse effect, the positive effect, that they started bringing the Shekhinah back down closer to this world. Avram Zacha, Avraham had a special merit. He brought the Shekhinah down from the seventh heaven to the sixth. Etc., so on and so forth. And the Rebbe mentions that when the Friedrich Rebbe um, cites this part of the Medrash, he does it elliptically. He just mentions the first one and then says, etc. And then he fast forwards to the good part. Until Moshe came. Who was the seventh. And all sevenths are precious. That's a, a medrash. And the Rebbe is still repeating to you what the Friedrich Rebbe's mimer was. Now, I, I want to stop here. I just want to pause a second. And, and I want to like, acknowledge something. Okay. For us, it's almost impossible to learn this mimer with fresh eyes and ears, even if this is the first time you're learning this mimer. I'm assuming for most people or everyone here, this is the first time you're learning it. And nevertheless, it's almost impossible to learn it with fresh eyes and ears, meaning to really remove, remove ourselves from the context of, we all know that the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe, was the first Rebbe of Chabad, and the Mitla Rebbe was the second, and the Semach Tzedek was the third, and the Rebbe Rashi was the fourth, and the, and the Rebbe Rashab was the fifth, and the Fidik Rebbe was the sixth, and the Rebbe was the seventh. And that this is the anthem, this is the original, like, inaugural discourse of the Rebbe of the seventh generation. But I... I just want to, before we like make those equations on our own, like I want to say, like let's not do that. Let's just let it happen organically, because the Rebbe will make that shift from the original reference to his 
father-in-law's mimer to making it uh, an, uh, to applying it to a contemporary seventh generation type scenario. But bef so I, what I'm saying is, don't jump there. We'll go there. We will get there. But right now, let's just learn this as it was in the previous Rebbe's Mimer. The previous Rebbe is quoting a medrash. There's a medrash that talks about how seven generations, from Avram until Moshe, reversed the, the effect of previous generations' sins. Avram was the first, Yitzchak was the second, Yankiv was the third, so on and so forth. And if you want to go through it, if you want me to enumerate, then Levi would be the generation after Yankiv, and then Kahos, and then Amram, and then Moshe, seven generations. Okay. And then Kol Shvivin, Chavivin, and all sevenths are, are, are precious. When the Friedrich Rebbe wrote that in the Mimer, it was, not, it, was not, it was certainly not an explicit reference to the seventh generation of Chabad. Because when the Friedrich Rebbe wrote it, he was still the Rebbe, and he was the sixth Rebbe. So it was certainly not an overt reference to there being a seventh generation of Chabad, because there had not yet been a seventh generation of Chabad when the Friedrich Rebbe wrote it. Now, we can say in hindsight, wow, that's uncanny. The sixth generation Rebbe writes a mimer that is released, that is dated by him to be published on the day of his own passing, and it mentions the idea of there being seven generations of leadership. But what I'm saying is, um, let's not make that leap on our own. Let's just say, hmm, that's interesting, and let's not make any more conclusions than what the Rebbe himself will do within the context of the Mimer. Okay, let's just finish off chapter 2 here. Okay. So, Moshe came, and he was the seventh. He's the one who brought the Shekhinah down to the earth. So even though pre there were previous Tzadikim who each brought the Shekhinah closer, but just like we're saying that when the Shekhinah left the world, the physical world, the earth, and went to the heaven. And that was the most radical, categorical shift. And after that was only a matter of degree, how far into the heavens that the, the, the Shekhinah retreated. So to conversely, what we're saying is, each of these tzaddikim, they brought the Shekhinah down a level, but the one that really makes a real difference is getting it from that, that, that last notch where it goes from heaven to physicality, to physical world. The Iker Inin Amshocha Ayyadei Moshe. Moshe, really, we can say, was the main one who brought down the Shekhinah, even though they all brought it down one notch. Moshe also brought it down one notch. That's quantitatively. But qualitatively, there's a, there's a difference between bringing it down from one heaven to another heaven and bringing it down from a heaven to the earth. So the Shekhinah being brought down to the earth is really attributed to Moshe. Even though, you know, it's like in my house, I... I my wife can't open the pickle jar. So I try to open the pickle jar. And I spend a good, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes on the pickle jar. And finally I hand it over to my wife, and then she opens it. See, I put in all that work to loosen up the pickle jar, but then she opens it, so she's the one who opened it. So who's the one who really made it happen? <clears throat> Even though everyone contributed, each of these tzaddikim, they put forth their, their effort, and they brought the shekinah down one level. But Moshe's the one who really 
opened the pickle jar, so to speak. He got the Shechina to this world. Okay, he finished it off. Makebe Patish, the final hammer blow. All right. Shahre Moshe Dafke Hiridei Lamata Baaritz de Kashem Shibe Inyan Asiluk Melamata Lamaila Hare Haikur Hubechet Eitzadas Shinastalik Maaritz Kniskil El. Just like when we're talking about the Shechina leaving, the most important one or the most drastic change is the Shechina going from the earth to the first heaven. Hinikamekain, so too, conversely, Hubi Inyan Am Shochem Melamaila Lamata. If you're talking about bringing the Shechina back down from above to below. The main drawing down would be the one that got it back down to the world, the physical world. Watch the parallels, the parallelism here from this part of the chapter to the previous part of the chapter. In addition to the fact that subjectively speaking, obviously the Shekhinah's return to the physical world is going to be the one that's most pertinent to us. But in addition to that, but objectively speaking as well, that is categorically a different type of drawing down when you're getting it to go from the heavens to the earth as opposed to just from one level in heaven to to a lower one. Right? We said the same thing when we were talking earlier in this chapter about that when the Shekinah was leaving, that the main one, the drastic one, was when it first left the world. So, too, conversely, when it's coming back down, the main change, the most drastic change, is when it finally gets down to the physical world. And that was done by Moshe. Everyone brought it down a notch, but who brought it down to the world, to the physical world? Moshe. And the reason why Moshe was the one who finished it off, the Mimer says, the Rebbe is saying, my, my, my father-in-law says in his mimer the reason why it was Moshe, kikol hashvivin chavivin because all sevens are precious. Now I know we're screaming to like make this conclusion, say, "Wow, hold on a sec." The sixth Rebbe writes in the mimer that he had dated to be published and released on his own day of passing, and talks about seven generations, and it's the seventh generation who finishes the job. But like I said, let's not go there on our own. The Rebbe will take us there. Okay. Let's summarize chapter 1 and chapter 2. Chapter 1, what would you say the summary of chapter 1? Shechina used to be in the physical world. Shechina was in the physical world, and and now it's not. And what what was the main emphasis of chapter 1? The The Shechina that used to be here was really, really high. It was the highest Shechina that could possibly be. Okay. Chapter 2. Well... This, we know, the Shekhinah was here, it left. What new information are we getting from chapter 2? That it was brought back down through seven generations. I would say it like this. Chapter 1 is saying the Shekhinah that left was the highest possible Shekhinah. Chapter 2 is saying, and where did it leave from? The lowest possible realm of reality. And therefore, what is, when we're defining the, the, the concept of bringing the Shekhinah back, or let's say, of the Shekhinah leaving and the Shekhinah returning, what we're really talking about is not degrees of leaving and degrees of returning, but really just that one that is the most definitive, leaving the physical realm and returning to the physical realm. And the one who did that was the seventh, which was Maisha. Okay. Chapter three? We're good? Okay. Okay, Is Gimel, chapter 3. Vihine, 
Maloshin Razal, the Holoshvin Chavivin, Vole Kol Hachavivin Shvin, based on the term or the, uh, the language, the diction of our sages. This saying from the Medrash, all sevenths are precious. Doesn't say all precious ones are sevenths. It says all sevenths are precious. Muchoch mizeh, so it is evident from that. The main thing is that it's a seventh. Not that it's, a, it's precious and it happens to be seventh. It's seventh, that's what makes it precious. And the fact that it is a shvi is what gives it its chavivos, its preciousness. So the main thing is it's seventh, and the seventh gives it its preciousness. What, what, what's the point here? The point is like this. Chavivos, something being precious, it's a compliment. If you're saying something is precious, you're describing the, the, the virtue or the, or the advantage of that thing. When you're saying something is seventh, it's not like a compliment. If like I walk in the room, you're, you're, you're the seventh. It's just a fact. So watch what we're saying. The chavivus is not, oh, I'm so precious. No, it's just, I happen to be the seventh guy. I didn't do anything special, nothing special about me. I just happen to be seven. Ah, but something about being seventh makes me precious. Not that I'm precious. I'm just in the right place at the right time. His preciousness is not something dependent upon anything he chose or anything he wanted or anything he worked for, but rather, it's just by virtue of his being seventh. And that is something he was born with. If you're saying he's the seventh generation, like Moshe was the seventh, not because it's like the seventh person who walked in the room, but the seventh generation. So because Moshe was born seven generations after Avraham. It's not something he chose, not something he worked at, it's nothing that he did. He was just born in the seventh generation. And if he would have been born in the sixth generation, then he would have been the sixth generation, or the fifth. And nevertheless, even though it's just this, seemingly this thing of luck, randomness almost, it's seemingly, I mean, obviously nothing's random, but seemingly, um, nevertheless, it bestows some quality of preciousness to the seventh. And that's why Moshe was the one who was Zeicha, who merited that Taita was given through him. Like, why couldn't Avram be Zeicha that Taita was given through him? Avram didn't work as hard. If he would have worked harder, then Taita would have been given through him. No, it's not that Avram didn't work hard enough, or Yitzchak didn't work hard enough, or Yankiv didn't work hard enough. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't something that they didn't do. If they would have done differently, Taita would have been given through them. It's that Moshe was the leader when it was the right time for Taita to be given. And since he was at the right time, his seventhness bestowed upon a certain preciousness. And the preciousness is that he's the one who managed to get the Taita to this world. The Rebbe is making a point here that he's about to say something really big. He didn't say it yet, but he's about to say it. He's about, okay, 
another spoiler alert. The Rebbe is about to say, guys, we're the ones who are going to bring Mashiach. That's what he's about to say. But before he says it, he says like this, don't get a big head. This has nothing to do with you. Do not take it personally. You just showed up at the right time in history. Okay, let, let, let's, let's look inside. The Rebbe now quotes something that his father-in-law, the Rebbe, the Fidik Rebbe, said upon arriving to America, when he first came to America. It's interesting. This concept of sevens are all precious. This is... this. The Basilagani Maimer of Tovshin Yud, of the year of the Friedrich Rebbe's passing, is not the only place where he mentioned that all sevens are precious. He mentioned the all sevens are precious. I mean, it's a medrash. It's, a, it's, a, it's an ancient saying. But he mentioned that concept when he first arrived to America. And, and, he, and he pointed out something interesting about it. That the fact that the seventh is precious actually points to the special quality of, of the first. The seventh is precious because it's the seventh to the first. So there's something special about the seventh, yes, but because it's a seventh. And if it's a seventh, that means there's some quality that the first possesses. So let's not overlook that. And to the contrary, let's focus on that. Let's focus on the greatness of the first, even though the first isn't the seventh. It's like basically saying, I mean, if I, if I have to telegraph it to you, it's like, the Alta Rebbe's were a whole lot better than us. No question, hands down. There's no question they were better than us. But they didn't bring Mashiach. We will bring Mashiach. Because we're better than them? No, no way, not at all. Let's talk about the first. But again, I just want to say, that the Rebbe has not yet equated this seventh, our precious, to the idea of seven generations of Chabad Rebbeim. He has not yet made that. So I just want to make sure. Watch when the Rebbe does do it in the minor. Okay, so, The whole seventhness of a seventh is that he's the seventh to a Rishon, to, a, to the first one. And the Fidik Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, explained, what, again, the Madras is talking about Avram, Yitzchok, Yankiv, and then the seventh being Moshe. So what was the greatness of the first? The first year is Avraham Avinu. What was the greatness of Avraham Avinu? Mipnei Avadose, because of his Aveda. It's interesting, the seventh is precious, not because of his Aveda, not because of anything he did, just because of his placement. But the Rishain is the one who actually did something special to start the ball rolling. So Avram Avinu, he was the first, and he had a very special Aveda. What was his Aveda? His Aveda was Mesiris Nevesh, self-sacrifice. And he wasn't yet satisfied with that. And he continues and adds, even though it seems to be not pertinent to the main topic. 
De even a Messiris Nefesh Shaloi, Hoya Shaloi Chippis Messiris Nefesh. The type of Messiris Nefesh, self sacrifice that Avram Avinu exhibited was that he wasn't looking for it. He wasn't looking for self sacrifice. Shizewa Hafrish Bain Hamasiris Nefesh, the Avram Avinu, La Messiris Nefesh, the Rabbi Akiva. That's the difference between Avram Avinu's self sacrifice and Rabbi Akiva's self sacrifice. They both had self sacrifice. Right? Rabbi Akiva was one of the ten martyrs. We read about him on Yom Kippur. Definitely had self-sacrifice. But the difference between Avram Avinu and Rabbi Akiva was that Avram Avinu wasn't even looking for self-sacrifice. It wasn't a value of his. It wasn't something he was trying to accomplish. The self-sacrifice of Rabbi Akiva. She was looking for it. Like he used to say, when will it come to my hand? And I'll be able to fulfill it. Meaning the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem, of dying for the sake of Hashem's name. In contrast, Avram Avino, who certainly exhibited self-sacrifice in many, many ways, had many tests, ten tests, but it was almost incidental the fact that he was self-sacrificing. Avram knew what his job was. You know what his job was? Like it says in the verse, he called out there in the name of Hashem, God of the world. And the Madush explains that... Actually, the Gemara, the Gemara in Saita explains, don't say he called out, he called others to call out. Then Avram Avinu understood that his calling, no pun intended, but his mission in life was to get other people to have a relationship with the one God. As Yenerzol Eich Shrayin, that the other guy should call out for Hashem. And if doing so would necessitate Mesiris Nefesh, so then he would do it. It was, Mesiris Nefesh had no intrinsic value to him. Getting other people to call out in the name of Hashem, that had intrinsic value. And therefore, you pursue that, and you do whatever it takes to do that, to get other people to call out in the name of Hashem, and if Mesiris Nefesh will be required, so be it. That was the attitude of Avram Avinu toward Mesiris Nefesh. V'kol kach godla maylas avedaseva Mesiris Nefesh shalai, and his avedas Mesiris Nefesh was so great, adashegam meishem mashazochesh nitnetera al yodehu metam ki ashvim nechavivin. Meishem, who was the only one, he was the one who Torah was given through him. And yet, why was Teter given through him? Because he was the seventh. Seventh to whom? To Avram Avinu. So really, you can look at it the exact opposite way. That the fact that Teter was given through Moshe was really because of the greatness of Avram Avinu, who was the one who had self-sacrifice without even looking for it. Shehu Shvi Rishin, because Moshe was seventh to the Rishin, to the first. Vakolish Baruch Hu the Medrash that says that Hashem told Meshe, in Mokim Gedalim, place of the greats, 
means Avraham specifically, Al Tamay, do not stand. Hashem told Mesha, you don't stand in the place of Avraham Avinu. Vihine Afki Godlo Chavivos Hashvi, Veinza Boloi Al Yede Bechira, Veloi Al Yede Aveda, Kiim Fartekehait Metzad Hatulda. So, even though the seventh is great and precious, this doesn't come because of anything he chose, anything he did. It's delivered to him, it's delivered to him, all ready to go. Ready to use straight out of the box. He's born with it. And, and nevertheless, at the same time, she shouldn't say that then it constitutes some type of a limitation that makes it inaccessible to him. And therefore, it's only attainable by special people. In other words, now that Rebbe is forestalling another possible argument. So first thing that Rebbe anticipates, it says, listen, I'm about to tell you something about being a seventh, but don't get a big head because seventh is just... You're not seventh because you're precious. You're precious because you're seventh. And you're seventh because of the Rishon, because of the first one. The first one was great. Uh, but another thing which, which the seventh shouldn't do, the seventh shouldn't, you know, first we're saying don't get a big head about being seventh. The other one is don't have a, an inferiority complex within your seventhness. The infer- inferiority complex would be, well, hold on a second. Seventh is just a fluke. It's just a fluke that I happen to be seventh. You know what? Since it's a fluke, and it really has nothing to do with me, it's hard for me to personalize this. It's hard for me to relate to it. It's hard for me to say I'm part of this. You know what? Maybe the seventh being precious is a concept, but for like really special, unique sevenths. Like, okay, the seventh generation is going to do it, but not everyone in the seventh generation, only like the elite of the seventh generation. So that Rebbe is saying here, no, no, don't say that. Don't say that it's only for an elite. So before you start getting your inferiority complex and saying, ah, you know what, I'm, I'm not, I can't live up to this seventh thing. It was just thrust upon me by birth. It's not, it has nothing to do with me. You could say, <laughs> that Rebbe says, look what it says in the Sefer, chapter 9 and chapter 25. Umuva bedach, and it's brought many times in Chesidus. Shekol Yisrova, filo evdva, filo shivcha. That every Jew, even on the lowest level or tier of status, the the the, the servant or the maid servant, yechelim lagia lashros ruach hakodesh is able to attain the level of ruach hakodesh of divine inspiration. V'chol echad v'echad miYisrael chayev leimar, and every single Jew, every individual Jew, is. Obligated to say, Mosai Yegiu Maisai, when will my deeds arrive? Lemaisei Avesai Avram Yitzchok Viyankiv, to the level of the deeds of my forefathers, Avram Yitzchok and Yankiv. Tonadvilio says that. Everyone should say, hey, when am I going to be as great as the greatest? But at the same time, nevertheless, don't fool yourself. See, now that I was flipping it back. Now he's flipping it back. But at the same time, don't fool yourself. You got, you got to know you may not stand in the place of the greats. 
So it's like, there's two things at once. Listen, don't get a big head, but I'm about to tell you something about being seventh. Then it's like, oh, okay, fine. So I won't get a big head. It's not me. It's somebody else who's a seventh. No, but it is you. And you should, you should strive for greatness. You should strive to be like the greats. But at the same time, just remember, don't get a big head. Don't stand in the place of the greats. You got to do both at the same time. The whole Milas Hashvi Hu Shahu Shvi Larishin. The entire greatness of the seventh is that it is the seventh to the first. As Ereken Durch Firna Vedis Ushlichasarishin. That the seventh just happens to be the one who gets the opportunity to finish off the Aveda and the Shlichas of the Rishin. And what was the Aveda and the Shlichas of the Rishin? Daltikri Vayikra Elaviyakri. Don't call out, but get others to call out. To affect others, to inspire others, to move them, to have a relationship with Hashem. That is the preciousness of the Shi. Of the, shvi. the Shvi is the one who gets to bring the Shechina down. And furthermore, and not only is he the one that brings the Shechina down, down to this lowest realm, but the highest level of Shechina, the essence of Shechina, like we were talking about in chapter 1 of the Maimur. And where does he draw this highest, highest, highest Shechina? To the lowest, lowest, lowest realm, to the physical world. What just happened in this sentence? I'll translate it. You tell me what just happened. This is what is required, demanded, from each and every one of us, from each and every one of us, the seventh generation. He just made it applicable. That's right. Because till now, we were talking about the Shvi means Meishu Rabbeinu's generation. The seventh to the Rishon meant the seventh to Avram Avinu. But now we just find out that that's also a metaphor. 